All right, so welcome back to the Beast Game Podcast. And today we are talking about science fiction movie The Creator, which is written and directed by Gareth Edwards, who he is known mainly for Rogue One and also that 2014 Godzilla movie. This is an original story. But the uh, other person that is credited, he had also helped on the Rogue One story, but also has a credit for Nutty Professor 2, The Clumps. <laughs> it stars John David Washington, Madeline Yuna Volas, and Gemma Chan, and also Ken Watanabe, and probably Allison Janney also. But the synopsis is against the backdrop of war between humans and robots, with artificial intelligence, a former soldier finds a secret weapon, a robot in the form of a young child. So that's kind of a loose description. So what happens is that kind of in the vein of Skynet, the government creates an artificial intelligence. The artificial intelligence then rebels, sets off a, a nuclear destruction against the humans, wake of all that the governments declare war on AI. So what you have is kind of like this division between the West and something called New Asia, which is more or less kind of like an amalgamation of Japan, Thailand, Vietnam. The West has like this super large spaceship that's created by the government that goes around, find the AI in New Asia and like destroy it. John David Washington's character with Jim and Chan, they're supposed to have a kid. And this just kind of starts off just like this, like, hey, well, I'm just with my girlfriend or my fiance is a part of this sect in the, the Southeast Asia, the New Asia. Technically, he's deep cover, like super, super deep cover that he's looking for this creator of the AI called Nirmada, the modern AI named Nirmada. And it's basically very early on in the movie that his wife finds out that been like a double agent, but he's like, no, I love you. You know, this is us and don't worry about them. But eventually she's killed. Kind of years later, he's brought back in because the government believes that they have found Nirmata. And what it turns out to be is that they believe that there's some special weapon that's being created, but the special weapon turns out to be humanoid-esque AI child. So, Keith, how do you feel about the creator? For the budget he was on, $80 million this was in budget. visually the most stunning sci-fi movie I've seen. In yeah, a I mean, long, long this time. is like kind of Neil Blomkamp, District 9 level, like, hey, like, how do you do this with this budget type thing? He freaking nailed that shit. I'm just sitting there like, how did you do this on an $80 million budget? Location shots alone is going to run you up there. But the special effects was just like, what? Like, how'd you do this? And so he, a master class on how he's able to accomplish that much with that, with, with his budget or either that, or the budgets for MCU and DC movies, these other comic book movies is, are just ridiculously overblown. Either way, Hollywood needs to look at their accounting. Well, he knocked out of the park. The movie was stunning to look at. Yeah. Thought an IMAX, and it was just like, damn, this looks good. That worn, futuristic, like it, it belonged there. The lighting, the cinematography, all of it was perfect. 
Um, there was very little times where you kind of sat there and was like, ah, this is crap and fake. I mean, you knew very well they didn't build a three-story tall mm -hmm. super tank. Yeah. You know, you know they didn't build anything like that that looked like a like they had tanks rolling around that were the size of aircraft carriers, and you like they didn't build that, of course. But damn, it looks it, it looks really freaking good. The robots and stuff like that, and the, the androids is great up close and everything. So with that said, I'm going to say special effects are worth checking a film out in and of itself, and the visual look and stuff and the POS stuff, outstanding. My problem, I think, I had was with the story overall. Mm -hmm. um, I thought the acting was fantastic, mm. but I thought the story was just like, uh, this is super generic. It you know? is every science fiction movie that every deals with AI. Every story about AI has this thing. It, it, yeah. it hits every one of those tropes. You get the one military person who's just out to do this because of personal reasons. Avatar. You've got, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You've got the adorable little girl robot. She's just so spunky and adorable fish out of water she's learning how to do things growing attached to our lead actor and stuff you're just like eh. yeah i've seen this movie before many times i liked it but there were times where i'm sitting there watching and I'm, i wish that they did something different with how they kind of portray artificial intelligence nowadays it's like why does it have to be this whole thing of artificial intelligence turned on us we got to destroy the wall you get in a car and the car suddenly blows up for, for whatever reason, you're going to sit there and wonder why the hell did it blow up and how do I fix it? Mm -hmm. Because I don't want to go back to horse and buggies anymore, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't just throw technology away because it breaks on you. You have a catastrophic break with it. We still use nuclear power, even though dozens of nuclear disasters out there, right? Never understood that attitude. And with the way the talk with artificial intelligence is nowadays, the discussion is more nuanced now. So the whole... AI just want to be free and just want to learn to love and live. You know, like, no, that's not the problem. And then the whole fighting the war against the AI is because they were taking our jobs. It's like, uh, that's dumb. Like, yeah, too much of modern politics into a science fiction movie. I mean, which, is it wrong? I don't know, but it's like, I don't want to go to a movie to see real life, basically. <laughs> Part of it is that somebody stepped in and said, well, you got to make it like this in order for audiences to understand it. Humans, kind of like the augments, basically, is like people with like robotic limbs and stuff. AI and robots all live together in like harmony. It's kind of like that, uh, well, even though this wasn't Rogue One, but Solo, where you had Droid going on about how droid rights and droids are actually being exploited. You're like, it's kind of like that. The oppressed and the oppressor. Email, they're always assholes. For me, I think the story really does not do anything differently. It's very derivative of other properties. You're supposed to buy into this bond between John David Washington's character and the AI child. And I didn't feel it. Eventually, he's supposed to come around and then fully accept like his role in this whole kind of ordeal that Again, he was on the side of the government before looking for Nirmata and his wife was somehow related to all that. And then come around to, it's basically dancing with wolves that, hey, I'm, I'm here to put down the bad people, but then I want to become these people. Like, I've lived amongst them and I, I've accepted my role and my place in society, which does come up because I think Ken Watanabe does specifically say that to him something of that caliber 
every science fiction movie that you have ever seen. Again, it is Blade Runner, District 9, Terminator, Avatar, uh, Kira, Ghost in the Shell, and also like Elysium. Like, it reminded me of that, too. And also Star Wars, The Mandalorian. This <laughs> is The Mandalorian, and eventually Grogu grows some power. So you understand that the AI child will eventually have some type of speciality. <laughs> it's pulling different elements of it, and you can clearly see what those elements are. It just does not work well in the end. Again, you don't buy into the bond that even though it's really just one big escort mission, again, aside from the fact that it looks great. And I'm going to say this, and it might be a little bit controversial. I think John David Washington, particularly in this movie, is not a great actor. I like him in everything he's been in, so I can't say he's not. It is something about his line delivery which makes it feel he is in a different movie than what everybody else is in. And some of his dialogue just feels rushed. Like when it's delivered, it is not impactful. So I think also what I was talking about, the whole bond between him and the AI child becomes, well, I'm not really buying him in this movie. So I think that's it for me. But Keith, what score would you give the creator? I give it a six. While I like the action and I like the imagery and I like the that sort of stuff, it lacked what Blade Runner 2049 had kind of in the minority when this is that Blade Runner 2049 story intrigued me. AI story that they kind of touched on new ground. And even though it didn't explore it all the way, what I wanted it to explore, it at least exposed it. The idea that artificial intelligence would evolve to the point where it would be almost indistinguishable from human intelligence. And they would want the same things as humans despite the fact that they had a real body or not, they would just be an AI inside of a computer box or whatever. They would have the same human emotions and feelings and consciousness and would want the same things as a flesh and blood human would want. Like that was something interesting to explore. And they chose to kind of go a different route with it, with the movie and where my problems lay. But at least touching those areas, it kind of made me say, oh, this is interesting, right? I look at this movie, I'm kind of like, yeah, I'm like, I, I know what's going to happen. I know everything's going to happen. I know Colonel, that Janie chick, she's going to turn out to be a raging asshole. You know they're going to be a dick. You know every white guy that pops up is going to be an asshole, is going to be a cuck. Uh, and it turned out he was. <laughs> and dude, I'm like sitting there weeping for his Android girlfriend. I'm like, dude, take yeah, her hard drive out. Yeah, so again, hard drive out and go on. Yeah, so again, it is humans. It's AI, there's robots, and something called simulants where they appear to be human, act human, but they're technically AI robots. Full R2-D2 robots in the movie. And then simulants, and then people that have, like, kind of augmented limbs or something. Like, so John David Washington's character at some point loses his arm. The simulants look human or have human faces for the most part, but they still got, like, that mechanical stuff is very cool effect but um yeah why can't i get an ai story where it's positive have a computer he's like he's legit it makes some damn sense it's like uh the ai starts out as a car like i'm supposed to drive and then over the course of like five years over the course of the movie says i'm the most badass fucking driver in the world i'm all about family and turns into the vin diesel sometimes you know it, it, something <laughs> interesting along that route not this whole little trap and stuff like that do something interesting with it and, like, and again it's all about Basically, racism. This thinly veiled yeah. racism put into a science fiction movie. 
the racist people are the people. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and then, then in Asia, they're progressive. In the U.S. and the West, they are regressive. Yeah, so again, think of New Asia like you would Blade Runner and, and like kind of that kind of picturesque. I'm walking down the street and there's all like these neon signs and holograms and stuff. That is New Asia. Clearly put these AI stories, it, it's all been done. The evil artificial intelligence thing, that is tired. That was tired with Terminator. It is tired now today. Bagel, the West is bigoted and angry and out to destroy stuff. And the only way they know how to do things is by regression. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make any damn sense. Like for once, I get, give me an AI story, a story talking about artificial intelligence, where somebody does something uniquely different with it, where it's not something where AI is out to destroy humanity and shit like that. And then, yeah, I mean, basically ex machina. In a nutshell, like ex machina at least had a reason for that shit. The dude was like abusive and raping the damn. Builds an AI, puts them into attractive female bodies. And he basically rapes them all the time. And, like, and kills them. <laughs> kills them. So you got that right there. They were like, fuck you, man. We need to kill the son of this. They need to go. Give us stories along that vein. But it, it actually explores the differences between that. You know, do something different for once. Like, don't try like this whole trope is tired. There's that Lando Carizian robot relationship in Solo. Some elements of this movie. So again, it's pulling from different movies. So for me. Yeah. Aside from the look of the movie, and it looks really, really good. I mean, there's just things that I don't understand. Obviously, they have, like, title cards. So there's different chapters in the movie. It's like child, mother, things like that. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's a really artistic choice to do that that does not pay off. I mean, obviously, you're talking about, it's a linear movie. I mean, there's there are some flashbacks, but the flashbacks are explained. The story that plays out on the screen does not fulfill anything that's going on very early on. I knew where this movie was going from the point that his wife or future wife dies in like the, the nomad explosion because nomad is a big flying spaceship. You can see from out of space, basically is the Elysium spaceship that flies around to destroy AI. And then was that Unicron from <laughs> Transformers movie. <laughs> Again, pulling from a lot of different stuff, and it's not doing any of it well. And I think that's the biggest thing. And I think Gareth Edwards is talented. He has a visual effects background, just like Neil Blokamp. I think with both of them, particularly in Neil Blokamp's later career, you can tell they're not very good writers. They can come up with an idea. They can't yeah, I think the concepts, yeah, conceptual ideas are fascinating to an extent, but I think that the delivery, you can tell someone along the way with the money, with the paycheck, you know, writing a check said, hey, you should probably simplify this a little bit more or, you know, make this a little more palatable for the, the viewers to understand. And he just kind of went, ah, we'll just do it this way. Yeah. He just made a lot of grand ideas that don't pay off. Yes. Yes. I think he was trying to do something with the ending, with them scanning the brains of humans and then taking those scans and putting them inside of the um, simulants. simulants was something that was interesting. Like that AI was derived from humans and then AIs are going like, you know, are adopting the human personas that they're from their scans. That's fucking interesting right there. 
bunch of robots, quirks such as what is that thing called with uh, where you just become an alcoholic and stuff or um, a gambler, that type of behavior. Predilections. Yeah, they, <laughs> yes, they, yeah, there you go. Something along that lines. Like, you know, once someone was a drug addict, they get their brain scanned and it goes into a robot that can't get high. That would be fucking fascinating to see like what kind of shit show that would generate. To your point, I agree with you. I'm not going to say he doesn't have the talent for it. I, I just think he doesn't have the writing chops to... Yeah, I, I don't think alone he has what it takes to successfully pull off mm-hmm. something of this caliber. I mean, again, Blade Runner does this. Ex Machina does this. Terminator does this. Avatar, Ghost in the Shell. So Akira is some of this. There's a lot of different elements. Like one of the action scenes towards the end, battle sequence at the end. That looks nice. Also seeing that in Rogue One. Almost done the same way. So, yeah, Rogue One. Happy to see. Now I'm thinking about it. I'm wondering like if this is the level this guy can go through. Like, Because did he start directing Rogue One or did he come in? Was he the- yeah, so it says in 2016, reports emerged that the film would undergo five weeks of reshoots with Tony Gilroy writing additional scenes as well as second unit directing under Edwards. Gilroy oversaw the edit and additional photography of the film, which tackled several issues, including the ending. Gilroy was also given the screenplay alongside of Whites, so he got screenplay credits because it was whatever he had done. So go ahead. Right. Yeah, so that's about right. So to your point, then you're right. Yeah, so Rogue One, it's pretty much he did 95% of Rogue One. Do the Darth Vader scene at the end of Rogue One, which saved <laughs> that movie. So because everybody was sitting in the theater watching Rogue One like, oh, God, the heck, that's Darth Vader. Oh my lord, he just killed everything. He came out of that movie like best Star Wars movie ever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, but that's all I got. For yeah, me. but I would give this a five. It looks really nice. And again, yeah. that's what I can say about Neil Blokamp movies that District Nine looks amazing on the budget that he had for that movie. Or like Chappie looks great. But it's also kind of like what else? And like Neil Blokamp's career was the biggest what if. I think maybe for a Star Wars movie, but definitely like Halo. Somewhere after that, like when the Halo movie didn't get made, and then all of a sudden he's directing Grand Turismo. (laughs) (laughs) His career is the biggest what if. So like District 9 garnered him a lot of notoriety because he had already done a short. He also had done commercial for Halo. And then did District 9, which was like his first real big movie. Then the next movie was several years later because, again, he kind of got screwed over with the Halo movie. And it was like District 9 and then Chappie. Chappie is what killed his career. Yeah, so I think... Because Chappie deals with the same thing about, hey, well, we don't respect robots or AI and things like that. Go ahead. Yeah, and it was like, I think his career derailed itself with one because of missed opportunities. I think he was waiting around to get that Halo he didn't give the studios what they wanted in terms of that Halo movie. So, cause he was the first and only choice they had for that Halo. Movie. Cause this should not look great. I think somebody in the studio was like, yeah, you need to see Master Chief's face. And he wanted to be kind of that. Apparently Dave Filoni directed the ending scene to Rogue One with Darth Vader. Needed some help executing. Yeah. He needs what Michael Bay had and what Zack Snyder had. And that's competent producers. Cause Zack Snyder had Christopher Nolan. Michael Bay had uh, Steven Spielberg to kind of got it. I mean, granted, love him or hate him, Michael Bay's fucking career. Dude sitting on hundreds of millions of dollars, highest grossing films out there. So 
his career is pretty much set. Stopping him being a fucking pedo. He's a producer or somebody to settle him down and show him how to craft a good story. I guess I think that's what he needs. Like I think we kind of dance around it, but in the end, I think that's what he needs. He needs to know how to tell an effective story, do whatever he wants visually and stuff. Probably just say, just wait for this to hit streaming. Movie hasn't done well, first of all. Again, it's pulling out. Yeah, yeah so, so it had an $80 million budget. Thus far, it's only pulled in $61 million worldwide. Again, it's an $80 million budget. So depending upon what success looks like, I would probably put it between like maybe 125, 160. Like that would be like double the budget. Yeah, uh, that might be safe bet. Makes its budget back. I would consider that to be a success for this movie. Uh, it only grossed maybe about $4 million this weekend. So it's visual look and the fact that it's kind of got this much. It, I could see it making it's money back in the streaming. See oh, on your Fire yeah. TV, Apple TV, yeah. and or Google TV. Director of Rogue One, but no one really respects Star Wars much anymore. But well, at least he had Godzilla, the first Godzilla. Yeah, that was a good movie. The second one, yeah. You know what? The first Godzilla was another one with missed opportunity and missed. Uh, yeah, and also and there was a number of things that this. And also, Kim Watanabe was in. That as well. <laughs> he needs a good writing team and a good production team. Yeah, he needs a good producer. He needs a good executive producer. I mean, he needs somebody like a big dog up there, Joe Silver, somebody who knows how to fucking tell these types of stories and can just kind of rein them in and be like, no, 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 you need to do this. He's missing something. Because he's like Zack Snyder when just allowed to do whatever the fuck he wants to do. It's just like, no, it doesn't work. Shift this back. All right. Well, that is the Beast Game Podcast. So like I said, just wait for this to hit streaming and that should be all. Peace, game.